Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you're anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today we're talking how the government is taking advantage of changes in the commercial real estate market. This podcast is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Visit skywayacq.com to learn more. Okay, let's get started. Government contracting, the, the government acquisition world as a whole, gets a lot of flack about being slow, too complex, out, outdated. To be fair, some of that is, is well-earned. <laughs> However, rather than just complain about you know, how hard this stuff is and, and how hard it is even when we're doing it right. I mean, government contracting is hard even when you're doing it right. But our mission is to make it better, make government contracting better. So we pick up a bucket and help out when there's a notable improvement. And this is one of those cases where there's a notable improvement. Rather than hang on to the old model of owning and leasing large amounts of buildings, the GSA awarded a contract, it's called a flexible co-working space contract. This creates a new third way for the government to get access to office space. So this is the change that's happened. This is one of those cases where there's a, there's a fundamental shift in how the government is operating. It's actually a really good innovation. Before we get into what all of that means, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week goes to Chanel Glover. Chanel is the Director of Business Development and Capture at Snorkel AI. She's in the Los Angeles, California area. I want to thank Chanel for liking and sharing our podcast episodes in the Contracting Officer podcast group on LinkedIn. Because when people like Chanel share our episodes, especially on that group, more people find them. And we're able to increase our mission of helping to make government contracting better one contract at a time. Thanks, Chanel. All right, we're talking office space. Not the TV show. And the government, and the government has lots of office space. The, the General Services Administration, the GSA, is the nation's largest public real estate organization. Right? They, they provide workspace for more than 1.2 million federal workers through the, the, the public building service, the division of GSA. About half of those workers are housed in buildings owned by the federal government, and half are located in separate leased facilities, right? So buildings land you know, at sites across the country. The GSA owns and leases, okay, you put this all together, over 375 million square feet of space in like 9,600 buildings and 2,200 communities. So a lot of stuff, right? For some context, 375 million square feet. Yeah, that's 6,500 football fields of real estate office space. That's a lot of room. All right, I'm not going to check your math there, but I will agree that that's a lot. Point is, this is a there's enough real estate that the government is owning and leasing. This was worth making some kind of innovation for. This is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, office space is very expensive and you generally get locked in for long-term leases, which leads us to office space as a service. There used to be only two ways for the government to get real estate, to get, get office space, to have space to put people in. And you mentioned those before, Kevin. First, the government owns a building. They might build a brand new building. They might buy a building, but they own it. The second is they lease the space from someone who does own the building. Now there's a third, which is this flexible co-working space. And it's like office space as a service. And in fact, the new GSA contract that specifically refers to this as a service 
it's a service to be able to get these office space or get the office space square footage. So it's a service in a new contract as opposed to owning it or leasing it. It's now a service to be able to get additional real estate. And these are real GSA actually awarded a multi-award, I think IDIQ contract, which we talked about before multi-award multi-agency contract. So any agency or maybe almost any agency, I won't try to stay away from the specific, that has to be any agency everywhere. Maybe someone has a rule against it, but almost any government agency <laughs> can use these contracts to, to acquire space as a service, which is a big deal because the government regularly has needs for new space or surge space or needs to have less space than they did before. This flexibility is a big deal. This shows that innovation happens in the government world too. It's not just Silicon Valley or I guess I guess Austin or there's places other than than Silicon Valley that are that are the innovation hubs now. This concept of office space as a service, it's been around for like a decade um, in the private sector, especially. And it seems we're seeing like this intersection of the improvement in technology, the ability to actually have people work remote or work in different locations or work in a co-working space. And tie that to GSA's openness to a new way to acquire this real estate. The original solicitation actually came out back in January 2020. So pre-COVID, they were already thinking of this. And now it's awarded and it's probably getting into the news because COVID, as we all know, has made huge and rapid changes in how people work and where they work. And then how much space they need. Right. And the government may have thought they needed 100,000 square feet and now half the employees work from home and they need 50,000. That flexibility is what contracts like this are about. This is a tectonic shift in, in how the government gets real estate and gets office space, right? And they, this, these tectonic shifts, they do happen uh, in, in government. Uh, the hard part is telling which ones are signal and which ones are noise, like which ones matter. So a tectonic shift that's a signal that actually makes a big move is when the simplified acquisition procedure was increased from 100 grand to 250 grand. And the commercial went up to $7.5 million, the commercial use under simplified acquisition procedures. That affected or, or should affect a lot of contracts. Yeah, that opens it up. So a lot more things may be acquired through those procedures. Yeah, I mean, it more than doubled the, the simplified acquisition procedure. That's a big shift. We did an episode uh, recently uh, about switching over from federal business opportunities, about the government switching over from federal business opportunities to the system for award management, the, the new SAM.gov. And that shift from having two separate systems, actually multiple <laughs> separate systems for all these different systems for how the government solicits work and tracks work and, and, and keeps all the data. Now it's in one place. That was a tectonic shift. And likewise, this office space is a service it's going to affect a lot of government employees and, and lots of contracts that have government employees who are contractors working in them. Yeah. In, in a good way, I'd say. On the noise side of that, those, those are big changes. There's other changes that appear to be tectonic shifts, to use your words there, but they're really just noise. They only impact a small percentage of contractors, like the increase in the Truth and Negotiation Act levels, which isn't even called Truth in Negotiation Act anymore. It's, it's, uh, it's truthful costs or pricing data, I think is what it's called now, Kevin. Rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Wow. Yeah, it was five hundred dollars or $700,000 a threshold where you had to certify your cost or pricing data. Now it's $2 million. 
but that still only matters for a small, small percentage of overall contracts and contractors. Most executive orders are also noise, right? One president issues them before they can even get those changes officially into the FAR. The next president rescinds them. So we do things different for a little while and then we're back again. Those aren't the kind of shifts that we're talking about here. This one has staying power. The reason this is different is it opens up the acquisition of office space to just about every agency. Usually, office space is leased by the GSA under an RLP, a request for lease proposals. The GSA awarded this contract, it's a multiple award to five different companies, and it's an RFP, right? It's actually released as an SF-1449. And it was awarded in August of 2021. And SF-1449 is its commercial acquisition. So this is an IDIQ contract for a commercial item. Much simpler than a request for a lease proposal. <laughs> it's a different path. So it's a multiple, it's a commercial multiple award IDIQ, which we've covered all those topics separately in different episodes. Correct. Uh, IDIQ is indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. That's episode 319. We talk about commercial items in way back in episode 92. And then recently, it, we talked about the multiple award, how that works in multiple award contracts in 377. But these, in this case, this office space as a service contract, it, we're talking about dedicated office space, meaning that it's a physical office here, and they, they call that a reserved office, and then partially remote, which is desks that people can use as needed, like a, like a telework center. That's a reservable workstation is what the contract calls it. And then the ad hoc hourly space, this is from somebody's comes out of town and they needed somewhere to work, right? So that's an unreserved workstation. That flexibility of that is very different than, hey, I own this building. Here's your cubicle. I hope you like it. I mean, the flexibility is very different. This allows for short or long-term use. And a huge difference is it has a turnkey solution meaning that this is built out, furnished, it's got Wi-Fi, it's, it's done. As opposed to when the government owns a building, they then have to furnish it. They have to make sure the plumbing works. They have to make sure the electricity works, the, the Wi-Fi works, all that stuff. This is a fundamental shift that, that lets government folks have access to the fact that private sector has been doing this well for a while. It's a big deal because it really cuts down, it will over time, not right now while we're still under a bunch of long-term leases, but it should really cut down on the amount of money that the government spends on office space that isn't needed. And it should also speed up the acquisition process for many things. The, the, the best use for this, I, I was thinking, how many agencies or departments or offices have a dedicated source selection space, right? Most of the time for, for larger source selections, you kind of sequester the team and they need a space that's away from the rest of the office to evaluate proposals and do their deliberations and come up with, make an award decision and award a contract, right? The problem is if you have a building full of these spaces, somebody has to organize who gets what space when. And every team is a different size, so you have to have different size spaces and schedules slip and change and, and a source selection will take longer than needed. So the space isn't empty when the next people need it. Think, right. think if you were using a, a flexible space as a service type contract for that, right? You could have spaces that are already set up in that manner for source selections and pop in and out short term as you need them. Much, much, much more flexible. 
leads to a much smaller footprint for agencies just in the source selection world. And of course, lower costs because you're not paying for, for idle space anymore. It's, it's space when you need it for how long you need it. And I love that concept as a taxpayer. It's, it's a much better model. All right, let's talk acquisition time zones and execution time zones. This starts in the requirement zone. The government is thinking, what kind of space do we need? Should we build a uh, new building? Do we lease space? Or now, could it be flexible? What is our requirement? Market research leads you to what spaces are available. Is there an empty space that the government's already paying a lease on that we could occupy? Is this so unique that we need a specific building built in a certain place and there's nothing available? You do your market research and you figure it out. Then you release a request for proposal or a task order request for proposal under a multi-award IDIQ rather than a request for lease proposals, right? So this covers all of the acquisition time zones up to the selection zone where you're just making a decision. On the execution time zone side, this is really the recompete zone. After you've gotten through the honeymoon and you've done most of the performance, if you still need office space, you start thinking, did this work? Did what we did before, leasing a big space in this area, did that work? Do we just need flexible space now? If you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, we cover those in episode number three. And then the execution time zones, we cover those in episode number 372. And we have specific episodes for each time zone spread out everywhere in between three and Correct. 372. It's <laughs> a, a wide swath. All right, this is big for the government. Like we said, there used to be two options. You could own it or lease it through the GSA. Now there's a third option to have, a, have your own co-working contract. Any agency can do it. It's not just GSA anymore. We'll, we'll see if any agencies really test, test that or if it stays with, stays with GSA. I can imagine before long uh, there will be some power-sharing conflicts and, and people will want to get it uh, realigned just with one place again. Who, who knows? Who knows? For now, the path all these resistance is to go through the GSA contract yeah. that already exists. Yeah, it's out there. Why, why build your own if you don't have to? Again, this gives the government more flexibility and is much more efficient from a cost perspective. On the industry side, if you're a company that leases real estate to the government, this might, this might cause you some problems, right? It's changing fast. It's changing. Yeah. There's now a third option. Yeah. If you happen to be a co-working space type of company, this is a great new opportunity to expand into the government world because I think the government's going to be using a lot of this. My prediction is if, if this sticks, this new third way, and, and it's, so far it's, it's starting to, the expected amount that contractors will be able to charge for real estate is going to come down. Because the government's going to have a third option to say, well, you don't own the real estate. You can rent it for X amount or you can have this service for a lot less than X so that the cost should come down. Yeah, long-term leases will have to adjust their prices to keep up with the flexibility of of non-long-term leases, if that that makes sense. And and for contractors that have cost-type contracts that have built large... Uh, office footprints into their rates with long-term leases, the government may start to look at that and say, why do you have so much space long-term? Why don't you use more flexible office space as a service models for your own work? We're not, we, the government are not going to make allowable these giant long-term leases. 
Hmm. Could be a change. We'll see. We'll see. Good prediction. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. All right, Kevin, let's keep an eye on the time and wrap this one up. On the government side, this is a significant change. It increases flexibility, lowers the costs, and it also shows that GSA is adapting just, just like the private sector. Uh, your agency may want to create a similar contract or use GSA's contract to, to be able to use this space as a service. But this is a fundamental shift in how the government acquires office space and just where it puts its 1.2 million people. Industry, be aware that this change is happening in that change is opportunity for some and peril for others. And, and the next time we start knocking on the government for being slow, remember, it's a large organization with a lot of rules and, and processes. So yes, it took 10 years for them to get to this, but it takes a while for some changes to really take hold. And, and frankly, if you work at a large company with more than 20,000 employees, things don't go very fast either. So, but this is, I, I want to celebrate this because this is something that, that the government's finally found a way to get real estate in the way that the, that the private sector does. And yeah. that's, that's good news for us. The ways there, there's a lot of momentum towards only doing it the old way, but, but that, that changes, right? It just takes a little yes. while to, to, ki- to kick in for people to become aware of it and say, Oh wow, this is easier. This does save money. This is a lot more flexible. It, it'll catch up quickly. I think in this case, because COVID upended the world when it comes to, to working in offices. Yeah. This, the snowball just got flicked over the top of the mountain. So it, It'll take a while for it to roll down. It will. All right, Kevin, I'll talk to you later. All right, I'll see you, Paul. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast, brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. When you've reached the point that the government wants to buy from you, Skyway's team of former contracting officers can teach you how to get that contract awarded with custom consulting and training. Visit SkywayACQ.com or give us a call at 877-884-5280. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.